0: Hey, Kevin here. This episode of Grow the Show is gonna be a little bit different than usual. You may have noticed when you clicked play that this one is way longer than most other Grow the Show episodes, and there is a reason for that. Because today, we're gonna give you a sneak peek inside the Grow the Show Podcast Accelerator program. Uh, and we're going to give you full access to a Q&A session that we held a couple weeks ago with podcaster Gary Arndt. Gary is a world-renowned travel blogger and podcaster. He started his latest show, which is called Everything Everywhere in 2020, And today, he has amassed over 3 million downloads and is fully monetized. Gary was also one of our 2021 podcast guests. And in that episode, he explained exactly how he approaches the monetization piece of his podcasting business. But... More than that, Gary has an almost encyclopedic knowledge of all things podcasting, blogging, and entrepreneurship. He's really, really something else. That's why when I was looking for a podcasting expert to fill in for me in my coaching sessions with Accelerator students while I was on vacation, I knew I had to ask Gary. In this episode, you're going to hear questions that the Grow the Show clients Asked Gary, and you're going to hear his responses in full. You're going to learn where he's found success investing in paid advertising to grow his podcast, how he's amassed his large social media following, and more. Now, I do not expect you to listen to this all in one go. But like our clients who attended the coaching session, I do think that you'll find value in every single minute. So even if you have to do so over a few days, I highly recommend listening to this whole thing and using it as a reference going forward. So here's a very special thanks to Gary for agreeing to guest coach our clients. I also have to thank Catherine Nails Grow the Show's content manager and producer. She emceed this coaching session, so you'll hear her chime in with her own questions and commentary throughout the episode, and actually, you'll hear her voice first. Finally, I wanted to give a shout-out to our Grow the Show clients for allowing us to share their questions and for being vulnerable and allowing all of our listeners to get value from being coached. So, without further ado, this is the guest coaching session featuring Gary Arndt with the Grow the Show podcast accelerator students, right here, right now. Let me know what you think.
1: For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm not Kevin Schmidlin. I am Catherine Nails, the Grow the Show content manager. Uh, And Kevin is taking a much needed vacation this week. So I will be moderating this coaching call Um, and with us today to actually answer all of your questions. We have the amazing Gary Arndt, Uh, Gary is a world-famous travel blogger and podcaster. He launched his daily podcast called Everything Everywhere uh, right around the beginning of the 2020 pandemic, and today the show has over 1 million downloads.
2: Actually, it's close to three now.
1: Close to three. All right. See, that's that's um, an old number that we pulled from when Gary was a guest on the Grow the Show podcast. I believe it was in the fall. So Gary is here to answer all of your questions. Clearly, he knows what he's doing based on those numbers. So, without further ado, Gary, do you have anything you want to say before we get started?
2: Uh, let's just go right into it. I'm glad everyone's here, and I'll be willing to answer all of your questions. And uh, I'll be going into a level of detail on some things that I've never really done before with any other podcasters because Maybe. to to understand this stuff, you really have to get into the weeds. So.
1: Yeah. And we're really lucky to have you here with us. So thank you for joining. Um, so we're going to start out with Jess Lorian. Forgive me if I butcher your last name. Um, That's and Jess, ask okay. your question yourself.
3: <laughs> Thanks, lady. Hey, Gary. Um, so nice to have you and thank you for being here. Um, so my question essentially, and then I'll give you a, just a touch of background. My question is, How important do you think it is to have a business plan, so to speak, ultimate long vision goal for your podcast, um, especially when it comes to monetization and growing? And the little bit of background I have and the reason I'm asking the question is... So my podcast is called Mamas in Training. My mission is to give aspiring and expecting moms guidance and community from moms who have been there. I'm actually not yet a mom, I'm a mama in training myself. And I started the podcast back in 2019, but did a whole rebrand through with Kevin. Um, and About nine months ago now, or eight months ago, I did start a premium membership. It is very, very small. And it got to the place that I brought up with Kevin. And he said, you know what, I would hold off on advertising the membership until we really get your numbers up, because my numbers have been on a real big standstill for a while. So I stopped advertising that and I really just um, have been focusing on trying to do targeted daily engagement, getting my numbers up there. But the other day I was at work and someone said to me, so what's your long-term vision and plan for this this podcast and how are you planning on making money? And this is where I resided on this question because I bounced a couple of ideas around um, in my head, but I just would love to see what your professional opinion is with this.
2: If you want to make this a business, then you absolutely need a plan. I mean, that's when I, so when I started my current podcast, I had this other life that I had as a travel photographer and that just blew up. So I had the kind of the benefit of 15 years of content creation. I had a successful website. I had, uh, you know, I have big followings on social media. I did, I did all that stuff. And it was kind of half-assed because I was doing it, I used to have 2 million followers on Google+. Plus, So every time a new social platform came out, I worked it, I grew an audience, and it was all kind of half-assed. So when I started this new thing, this was like, okay, I can start from scratch in a whole new area, and I really treated it like a business. So the first thing I thought of is, uh, what's my release schedule going to be? And I decided to do a daily show. Most people don't do daily shows. Most people do a weekly show where they interview someone. That's like almost every podcast. And I wanted to do something that stood out. So I said, okay, I'm going to do a daily show and it's going to be a scripted show. And the reason I'm doing a scripted show is because my favorite podcasts were all scripted. They were history shows. I, I, I certainly listened to, to some you know, interview shows. But then I sat down and I was like, okay. And I, and I had a friend. Uh, who had a daily podcast. And I met him at a conference we were both speaking at a few years earlier. And he was doing this massive um, in-person event. He had a conference that he did that had thousands of people show up and he was going to stop doing it because the podcast was so successful. And he said, doing a daily show was the best thing he ever did. And it comes down to simply the frequency, the number of ads, the number of times you're in someone's ear. And I, my original plan for the show was I was going to do like one episode every two weeks, really long in-depth episodes. And then I realized that that just isn't going to work number wise, that if I did the opposite, instead of doing bigger infrequent shows, if I did smaller, more frequent shows, okay, that's going to be at least seven opportunities for ads a week. So if you listen to the episode I did with Kevin, where I, where I broke through everything, one of the hard things that they had was explaining the math behind it. But the math is real simple. The more opportunities you have, if you, this is just for advertising, there are other ways you can monetize as well. The more opportunities you have to serve an ad, the more money you will make. So there's the three factors are your CPM, which you really can't control. I mean, that's kind of a market rate. Obviously, if you can get more, the better the number of ads per show and the number of shows per year. If you're running a daily show, then you're going to do more than someone who's doing a weekly show. And a good example of this was, I was listening to to a conversation between uh, Jack Reitster, who does Darknet Diaries, very big podcast. It's about, you know, hackers and stuff. He does a show once every two weeks. Jordan Harbinger, very successful show, does three shows a week. And they were talking about differences. And I realized that what they were both missing was the fact that Jordan is doing six shows for every one that Jack was doing. And that made a huge difference in terms of revenue and also in terms of the value per subscriber. If you're simply making, uh, doing six more shows, you're going to be doing six times the ad revenue, which means that a subscriber is six times more valuable. So yeah, you need a a plan. And I I don't know what your, your publishing schedule is, but I would think about maybe doubling it, doing two episodes a week. And if you don't know what you're gonna do, well, you know, maybe you do one episode that's an interview and one episode that's just you. And it's like, here's some advice. Let's talk about this today, where it's just your thoughts. And it doesn't have to be as long of a show, but it's another opportunity to uh to reach people. So business plan, uh yes. Uh, you know, one of the things, and I was just talking to, to Catherine about this before we got on the air. Um, because I have a travel background, I'm going to be running tours for my listeners. I can do a tour. I'm going to be doing a tour for Italy later this year. It'll cost $5,000 per person. We're going to spend 10 days in Rome. You'll get your hotel and everything, but it's anyways, but the cost to me uh, for the hotels and for the getting the tour agents and everything is about $2,500 person. That means I can net, approximately $2,500 per person for a 10 day trip. So that's 25 grand for running a 10 day tour. So that's part of, you know, the business plan as well. But a lot of it's just kind of getting to that point. So, yeah, I would definitely think about all your different, uh, uh, revenue opportunities. I'm not a big fan of subscription, uh, podcasts because I really, they do have a place I haven't heard of a lot of people that have done really well. My goal is I want to reach as many people as possible. So that's yeah. that's kind of what I want to do. Just
1: to interrupt really quickly, we do have a really good follow-up question to that um, as you're going, maybe just to think about, and somebody, uh, Joel asked, would you recommend making your episodes more frequent if you're not planning on running ads?
2: I don't think it makes as much of a difference, but I also do think it probably will still benefit by developing that extra touch point with your listener even if it's a shorter episode, that the more you, the, 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 great thing about podcasting, as opposed to blogging, and I did a blog, I still have it for, for many, many years is that they develop a connection with you because they hear your voice. And the more they hear that, the more you are in their head, you know, if it's, if it's twice a week, I think that's great. I do think there's a limit to the amount of time you can expect from someone per week, So my, my shows are about 10 minutes a day. So that's about an hour. So the same as about like a one hour weekly show, but they're hearing me every day. Um, so yeah, I, I do think there can be a benefit. You just got to figure out what that is, but you need, I mean, it needs to be offering something of substance. It can't just be, oh, I'm going to do another episode because I, you know, someone said to do another episode and you you don't want to waste someone's time.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Gary. I think that was a really great answer. Jess, do you have any thoughts for Gary before we move on?
3: Um, No, I think I'll wrap. I mean, I could talk about this forever, but I think I'll wrap it up and pass it on to someone else.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Gary. And and, you know, for, for um, I I can't say to know a lot about uh, the niche you're in. I've met a lot of people like from the blogging days that had like mommy blogs. I know some of them are very successful. I also know it's very competitive because there's a lot of people that have those websites, not as many that have podcasts. I think there's an opportunity for you to grow your show with some of the stuff I'm going to be talking about later with using some of these outlets to promote your show and to really be reaching out to some of the top YouTubers and, uh, bloggers in that niche to help you promote your show. Because I, I, I again, I don't, I don't, I'm not a mother to be or anything, um, but I know back in the day, like Deuce, she was like, she had the original uh, mommy blog and stuff. And on YouTube, there are, there are some of these people who are like celebrities. And I think that would be a, a great opportunity to to help grow your show and um, as well as paid promotion, which I'll be talking about in a bit.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Gary. Sorry, I was trying to make sure I wasn't on mute there. Um, next up, we have a question from Jen Rogers. And Jen, I think you had to ask the question yourself.
4: Yeah, thanks.
3: Hey, so I was curious, Gary. Thanks for joining us today. By the way, really nice to meet you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your influencer marketing? Like outside of the obvious that you help promote a brand, what does that relationship with you look like?
2: Uh, what do you mean?
3: Well, you talk yeah, when you download your media kit and take a look at that. You you offer influencer marketing, so people connect with you to have access to your audience. That's the way I'm understanding it. Uh, so that, that's what I'm asking about how that works in partnering with you in that way.
2: Uh, what media kit did you download? Because well, I have like an older media kit that I did for like Instagram stuff. And I don't I have, know. Like, <laughs> was it vertical or horizontal?
1: Aye, aye, aye.
2: I kept scrolling down the page. Were there nice pictures on it? There were nice pictures on it. Yes, there were. Okay. You got my other media kit. Um, (laughs) And I'll I'll be happy to talk about that. So like I said, the shit hit the fan when the pandemic hit for me. And I like lost everything I was doing because I was in the travel space. So what I was doing and where I got most of my income at the time was working with uh, travel brands, primarily destinations. And the unique thing about the travel industry is that Countries and cities and whatnot, uh, they all have these tourism boards and they're commissioned with spending money to promote their destination, and none of them have to show a profit. So they all have to spend this money. And so, it, what a lot of the top uh, travel bloggers and influencers would do would be campaigns where you would do a tour of their place, take some photos, share X many photos, write a blog post, stuff like that. And that's mostly what it would consist of. And to be completely honest with you, Uh, it's a bullshit business, like the whole influencer thing. Um, and I think people are waking up to it. I'm so much more confident with what I'm doing in podcasting right now. Mm -hmm. And I, it just, just to give an example, like I mentioned, I'm going to run a tour for my podcast listeners. I've run tours in the past. I did tours to Italy, South Africa, Galapagos, uh, Western us. And this was all from my blog and stuff. Getting people interested in my tour through my podcast is so easy. Like I had a hundred people interested for the Rome tour within forty eight hours, but my other tours was like pulling teeth, and it's like night and day. So if you have a following on Instagram or or whatever or TikTok, you can certainly, if you're putting a package together, you can bundle that with uh, what you're doing with your podcast. I don't think they need to be separate things, and you can say, okay, I'll give you a podcast ad, I'll give you a mention on. Instagram, uh, you know, we'll give you a link on the website and you can certainly do a package. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, the difference is with what I'm doing right now with the podcast, I'm just trying to, I'm just focused on the podcast. And if you look at my Instagram account, I haven't posted, you know, I've posted, I think, three photos in the last six months. I'm just not doing anything with it. Um,
3: okay, so would you say that the influencer marketing and affiliate marketing would you draw
1: distinctions between those two things? Oh yeah, or are they they're a huge similar? difference.
2: Okay, influencer marketing, or I'm sorry, affiliate marketing is based almost entirely on SEO. And I have come to a point in my life where I simply despise SEO because it's a, it's a zero sum game. If you rank number one for a keyword, I can't rank number one, and vice versa. So there's, and no matter what you do, there are ten things on the first page of Google, right? And so it's like crabs in a bucket where everyone's just trying to capture the same big keywords and you're up against very big companies that are all there doing SEO. And it's very hard. I, I have literally more people listening to me every day now than I did after 15 years of running a blog. My best month blogging, I had a half million page views And that was because I was exploiting a loophole in stumble upon back in 2010, when they tried to integrate it with Twitter. Now, just through plain old marketing, I've got more people listening. I've had more downloads to my podcast than I did page views to my website. And I just, yeah, I just feel so much better about it. And also with respect to affiliate marketing. So for the first year year and a half of my podcast, I ran a, I ran ads every single podcast, but I didn't have the audience yet to get real ads. So I ran affiliate ads for every, and I would do uh, audible. I would do curiosity stream, brilliant.org, things that fit my brand. Cause it's an educational podcast. And I I went out and made sure to get affiliate accounts and I just made up my own ads for them just so they would fit. And so my listeners would be accustomed to the fact that I had ads on my show. So when I did start running ads, it wasn't dropped out of nowhere. And those ads converted poorly, really poorly. And the weird thing is I get people saying, oh, I bought a Scotty vest. Thanks from your ad. It's like, well, you didn't use the freaking affiliate code. <laughs> you didn't, you know, so they don't, uh, they don't work great in podcasting. It might be better than nothing, but it's not great. If, if affiliate stuff is fundamentally an SEO game.
3: Okay. All right. Thank you.
2: Sure.
1: Fantastic. Our next question is from Alejandra. Um, and she asked what has been a game changer while promoting your
2: podcast? Paid advertising. Um, so when I launched my show, I, I'm the kind of guy that needs to know how everything works. And so I reverse, I I looked at, the, some very successful shows and I tried try to reverse engineer. Well, what did they do? And then I look at things like Wondery and iHeart media and it's like, well, what did they do? And when I saw what they did, I was like, well, no one is telling me uh, to do this stuff. And basically what they do is they promote their shows, just like you would promote a restaurant or anything else. Um, movies. Even if it's the Avengers, right? Up to fifty percent of a movie's budget. When you hear that, like, oh, they had a two hundred million dollar, you know, cost. Half of that, or maybe a third, is going to be marketing and promotion. That's you know where a lot of the money for movies goes. Now, why wouldn't that be the case for a podcast? That's what that's what uh, recording artists do. You know, if Taylor Swift or Beyonce releases a new album, they're going to have a marketing budget. Uh, but podcasters, they want to do it for free. And there's certainly a lot that can be done for free. You know, social media and 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 target engagement definitely works. But the thing I did is I started invested, I had been investing money in promoting the show to to just let people know about it. And that has worked extremely well, like extremely, extremely well. And I now understand why these big companies don't talk about it because if more people did it, they would compete with them jack up the price and so they're, they they kind of keep quiet about the whole thing but yeah that's that oh uh do i do ads on facebook no i do zero ads on facebook i did a test once and it was horrible uh this is what i found growing any platform i got a six figure audience on twitter i do it on facebook i did it on on uh instagram uh you grow an audience by targeting people on that platform. So you want to grow a podcast, you target people on podcasts or who are using podcasts. That's how you do it. And I have talked to many people that have talked about, oh, Facebook advertising, great for podcasting. And they talk about clicks. And it's like, okay, and how many of those clicks convert? And they don't have that data. And once you factor in that data, it just doesn't work. Uh, So what I found is you, you advertise on podcast apps. And on other podcasts. Uh, all right, so let me let me let me get into this now because this is a good opportunity because people are asking what number. Uh, whoever asks, what what should you start slowly? Yes, you should start slowly. You don't want to throw a lot of money at this only to find out that it doesn't work. There are a couple places you can go to to, um, to start advertising right away at a smaller level. So I'm gonna do the screen share thing. And I'm going to be putting some links into the chat. So you might want to see it. So can you see my, my screen? Okay. So the first one is Overcast. And if you go to overcast.fm uh, ads, <clears throat> and I'll be uh, posting this in as soon as I uh, get done with the screen share. What Every single podcast player has a different way of doing this. And I literally had to go to every single player to figure this out. And you will often hear people say that the number one podcast apps are Apple and Spotify. And that is true. I don't deny that. However, you can't promote directly on those platforms. So what you're going to find is that the top shows, and I'll give you some evidence of this, have a disproportionate number of listeners on third-party podcast apps simply because they can promote on those apps and they can grow their audience that way, if that makes sense. And let me show you some data. So I'm going to start with Overcast because it's very simple. Overcast, what you can see is they break it down by uh, category and they have a dynamic market. So if you come here tomorrow, the prices are going to be different and it's all based on supply and demand. And rather than trying to see it on my screen, maybe you know, just go to the URL yourself, but it's overcast.fm slash ads. And what you can do, so I advertise in history, usually, and you can see I can get a one month ad now for $390 and there's one slot available. 390 is okay, but normally I, I check this every day and I usually wait and I, I will buy when it gets down to like 320. And I've seen this as high as $700. So this, this can fluctuate. Uh, this has a lot of variation. So depending on what it is. So I've tried family and kids. That's one of the cheapest categories. But for me, at least, it didn't have um, as good of a return. So let me show you the actual data of all the ads that I've run. Okay. So here's the current ad that I'm running. This is the one that's live. I spent $320. It expires on the 31st. And so far, I have 165 subscribers that I've gotten. I have a 0.9%. So 189,000 people plus saw the ad. A little under 1% clicked on it. And then of those that clicked, it's about a 10% conversion rate to subscribers. And here are all the other ads I've run. Mostly in history. Here's the kids and family one I did. I did an education one, and I'm normally getting into the high, you know, one hundred and fifty to one hundred and ninety range for subscribers. This Overcast is probably the simplest way to get started. It's a one month buy. You're looking at maybe somewhere in the range of two hundred to four hundred dollars, depending on your category. Business podcasts tend to have the most expensive. So if you look at the business category, that's 1100 bucks. That's because there are so many entrepreneurship uh, podcasts out there. and But everything else, depending on, again, what it is, is a lot cheaper. And I just check the price every day. And then I'll wait and wait and wait. And then I'll buy. So it's not like I'm doing this all the time. So Overcast is a very easy way to get started, and it's a relatively small buy for one month. The other one that you can do is Podcast Addict. So with Podcast Addict, if you go to podcastaddict.com and you click on ads up at the top, and then it says, and what they require you to do is to put in your RSS feed. So if I do that, and then you'll see they do one month at a time starting with the first of the month. So it's a calendar month. And I've done a lot of podcast addict uh, ad buys. Uh, And you'll notice, so history, if I do it for April, it's $400. But if I do it for May, it's $300. And this is the way they always do it, where it's cheaper if you buy in advance. And that's what I normally do. I stopped doing podcast addict uh, in, in January just because I had been running it for like six months straight, or maybe it was like four months straight. And I just wanted to give it a bit of a break. But you I don't know what the prices are for the other categories because uh, the main categories for my podcast are education and history. Uh, but I can show you, here's the performance that I've had. And uh, not quite as good as Overcast in terms of uh, the number of conversions, but still I'm getting into you know over 100. Uh, and the prices were usually less. I can usually get a history category for about... 250 bucks and uh, maybe 300 so the cost in, in if you go back to the episode I did with Kevin the cost per subscriber for my podcast is about ten to fourteen dollars a year so I factor in the number of ads I run the CPM number of ads per number of episodes per year I can calculate how much a subscriber is worth to me so at ten to fourteen dollars I can then, Acquire them for somewhere between one to three dollars, depending on the app. So, I'm basically buying something worth 10 bucks for, for, for three bucks at the worst um, way of doing it. So, Overcast, Podcast Addict are two of the best ways uh, to do it. And then the other one that I've had, I personally had great success with that a lot of people ignore is Podcast Republic. And you can see the stats I've gotten 4,700 subscribers here. Um, And the way they do it is they don't do it by category. Instead, you buy a slot up here in the top. And I think the top six, it's $400 a month. And below that, it's like uh, $300 a month. And there's different options. But the thing is, having done this for over a year, it's the same podcast. Like Young and Profiting with Hala Tala, she advertises everywhere. And she's gotten a a really big audience as a result. And she's up here constantly because she's always... Uh, buying the ads. And again, I stopped doing it after running an ad here for like a year, but um, it was real successful. So Overcast, Podcast Addict, Podcast Republic are the three places to get started where you can buy a monthly spot and you're just going to pay a couple hundred bucks. There are other really big places where you can invest as well. So this is CastBox. CastBox if you want to um so this is my Castbox page 80,000 subscribers 765,000 plays this is huge but the trick with Castbox is you have to have a 1,000 subscribers in before they let you buy ads and when they let you buy ads um it's it's a bigger ad buy than Podcast Addict, Overcast, or Podcast Republic. It costs like 3,500 bucks, but they will guarantee you get 5,000 subscribers. So that works out to 70 cents. So it's a much better deal, but it's a much bigger buy. And And I'll be very honest with you, I've paid $0 to CastBox so far. This is all organic. And if you go to the CastBox homepage and look at top shows, That's my podcast, Ben Shapiro, New York Times, Bill Maher, and so this is the last few days since they put me on here. I've been crushing it. I've just been uh, getting like two thousand subscribers a day. So, so Castbox is something aspirational. Now, if you here's what I recommend you do today: you can apply to be featured on Castbox for free. And I've done this every month. And again, I'm going to put this link in the. in the chat so you can apply to be on cast box for free. And all you gotta do is you have to claim your podcast and then you fill out this form, they have a link to it at the bottom. And I did this every month for the first 18 months that I had my show every single month, if they didn't feature me, I just did it again. And I did it again. And this is the biggest way if they feature you, you'll get that 1000 subscribers which then means you'll pass that threshold where you can then buy in if you want. And and everyone should should be applying to be featured on CastBox and just follow all the rules. One of the things they have is send out a tweet with a CastBox link. All right, fine. If you go to my website, my embedded player for my podcast page, CastBox. If you go to my Twitter account, what am I using as my link? CastBox. Why? because I wanted to suck up to castbox so they would promote me so I could get a shitload of subscribers. I'll probably change this when I want to suck up to a different player. But as of right now, that was my plan with cast box. Um, this, I'm going
1: to do my thing and interrupt you again. This has been some really, really great info, but I want to make sure we get a couple other questions in. Okay.
2: Uh, I, I, I'm just saying this, when I, um, when I was showing you the, who these podcasts were, it, these are look at these are all huge lab uh, brands, right? ABC, Radio Lab, New York Times, uh, NPR and fricking Gary Arndt. No one is talking about the uh, how many I don't know how many of you have heard of this before until right now, but name a name a popular podcast, Jordan Harbinger show, very popular show. He's an indie podcaster. What does he do? He spends half a million dollars a year promoting a show. Where does he spend a lot of it? Boom! Castbox, three hundred thirty-seven thousand subscribers, seven million plays. That's because they're all that's that they're all putting money into this. Rant over. Okay.
1: <laughs> no worries. So, I mean, that was so much good, like chock full of great information. I think everybody uh, would agree. We have a couple of quick follow ups before we move on to our next question. Um, so, we had a couple of questions regarding your how you write the copy for your ads? Do you use your trailer? Um, Somebody actually asked you could play an
2: example. Oh, so the ads on the podcast apps are not audio. They're just banner ads that are in the podcast app. So while people are scrolling and searching, the ad will appear.
1: Now, do you provide the art for that? The art
2: is primarily your, your show artwork. And the, like for overcast, you can change it, but the default is just whatever the description of your show is. And you get like two lines that you can edit. And I've tried around with different things, but basically keeping the, uh, you know, learn something new every day podcast for curious people. That's the one that is, um, uh, that that's worked for me so far. Uh, one of the questions was why did I stop using podcast Republic? Uh, no, it's not that it was ineffective. It's just that I had been running it for like 10 months straight and the effectiveness was, uh, kind of decreasing a little bit. I was getting like 450 subscribers a month from it. And it was getting down to like 370. And I figure I'll just kind of give it a rest. Uh, but what I didn't realize, I kind of, I should have kept doing it because the demand is so great that they have like a six month wait list. And so now I'm just kind of waiting to, to get my, my ad back up on it. So that I, I was probably stupid to have, uh, to have stopped doing that. Um, other places where you can do it as well is pocket cast. What they do is they have one ad, one show that they promote for the whole app at the same time, and they charge 1700 bucks. So again, it's a bigger buy, but the people I've, I've heard that have done it have gotten about 2000 subscribers. And the other big one is player.fm that a lot of people use and they don't even have the information. I had to do a conference call with them, and again, I'm on a wait list. So in June, I hope to be running a player.fm ad. But you look at the people who are advertising, and they all have you know north of 10,000 subscribers just on that uh, app.
1: That's fantastic. So, Thank
2: you. Okay, so this is what the big boys do. This is what the big brands do, and uh, it's an investment. I understand that. And a lot of people, when they start a podcast, it's like, oh, I'm going to use Anchor FM because I save five bucks a month. If, if that's your concern, this is probably not a strategy for you. You can certainly do try to get promoted on CastBox and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. I would do that every month. But if this goes back to the whole having a business plan. What am I going to put in and what am I going to get out?
1: Amazing. But um, we're going to move on to another question just to make sure that everybody uh, gets a chance to ask theirs. And then afterwards, I'm sure Gary would be happy to talk a little bit more about these paid ads. So our next question is from Barton. And Barton's question is, what would be your recommendation to help me engage my listeners more and hone in on the specific type of listener I want to attract? And Barton, I know you're here right now. So why don't you Tell Gary a little bit more uh, about your current listener base.
4: Yeah, Gary, first of all, just excited to be on with you. Uh, you know, I've been in the program for about six months and uh, have kind of tried to create a niche for myself in that kind of mindset space within fitness. But I what I feel like i am realizing because I'm not getting the growth and the and the listenership that I was, or you know, just the listens that I was expecting is that I'm still too vague or I'm still not an expert at one thing I'm kind of trying to be an expert interviewer interviewing a lot of different people in the in the world of sports and fitness. And so my my ask of you is like how minute should I get? I mean I know there's billions of people out there listening to various things like so how minute do I really need to get or or is there other questions you might ask me to kind of help I need to kind of get myself in the right direction, and I I think I just not being minute enough. And I'm not love, love to hear your thoughts.
2: You probably know more about that niche than me, but based on what I have seen, and there are if people kind of put themselves in a community, mm-hmm. there are yoga people, there are CrossFit people, there are keto people. You know, they they they're part of this diet. They're vegan, whatever, and podcasts that cater to that already existing community tend to do pretty well, Okay, whatever that is. I If it's just general fitness, I don't know if you're going to be able to tap into one of those things. Um, the, the certain dietary and fitness things that I've followed in the past, they all tend to be of that type, if that makes sense, that they're tapping into one of those communities. And I think that's kind of the key. Just general fitness is hard to you know, like the crossFit people are basically a cult. Um, and, and I don't know that's not even necessarily a bad thing, that's but not, they're really yeah. but they're really into it, right? Yeah. And you, you, so if you had a, a CrossFit podcast, for example, you're going to be able to tap into that energy that's already there. And I think that's going to do a lot more than to have just just do something generally about fitness or whatever. So I don't know if you have a particular um thing that you focus on, even if it's like uh, you know, there are people that do boxing as their thing, uh uh as as a workout, whatever it is, to just focus in on that thing. Um, yeah, that's based on what I know about that industry and how it works, is to sure. just tap into that community or to create a brand or a community around whatever it is your method is and then find people who can, um, you know, provide testimonies to that effect.
4: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm not seeing that as I'm not tapped into a specific community and, and, and I think for good reason, like I'm, I'm a personal trainer. I like, I'm, I think I've really, really asked myself, like, who is my, who is the, who are the people I'm connecting with or I'm reaching out to it's, it's, you know, guys and women in their forties who are trying to get in the gym, they are who get in the gym, they work out, they don't have an issue getting to the gym, but they're looking for like ways to level up, get stronger, like hit their goals, get muscle, you know, more muscle, that kind of stuff. Um, And it's not about like, how do I, I'm going to listen to this podcast so that I can go to the gym and be motivated. It's like, how do I get 1% better every week by listening to this podcast, showing it up at the gym and adding these ideas that can help me do better.
2: Here's something to think about. Most of us, when we're doing a podcast, me included, we have like kind of open-ended podcasts, right? Every week we're going to have something else. A lot of the big networks do these limited run shows. It's like six episodes about some dude who murdered someone and that's mm-hmm. it. And they're, they're kind of t- there to be evergreen. One of the things I've noticed is like, if, if I want to personally go to a gym and get started, how do you get started? Like, no, tell me what to do when I go to the gym day one, just tell me what to do. And I was, why I almost wonder if you could do a limited run that's designed to be evergreen so it'll be valuable 10 years from now that's just like because the great thing about a podcast as opposed to a youtube channel is i can take you into the gym with me right so it's like all right here's your first time going to the gym and i'm literally going to walk you through it because i'm in your ears right now and we're going to go to this machine and we're going to do this all right now we're gonna to go to this machine and we're gonna do this without knowing the, the physical fitness level. It's like, okay, if you're a bit more fit, maybe you do this many reps. If you do, um, if you're not physically fit, heck, just try to do one, right? Let's just find out what your weight is at. And then the next episode, all right, we're back at the gym. This is what we did last time. We took a day off for, for rest or whatever. Now we're back, we're gonna do this. I think there would be value in something like that. Um, to create something evergreen to just because, like I said it's podcasts are the one thing that you can take into the gym with you. You can't do it with a YouTube channel.
4: That's a Really good point. Yeah. And I like that, that kind of limited episodic, you know, formula could be really effective that somebody could search for that, or they could hear my another a later episode hear about that thing and go find it.
2: Yeah. And then, and this, think of it like a, you know, like with an outrigger canoe, you got your main canoe, which is your main podcast and then create this separate thing. That's like the outrigger for it. That people can find and then come back to your main podcast for a steady stream of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I would listen to a podcast like that because I think this notion of how you get started, gyms are intimidating to people if you're not in that culture. If you're, if you're overweight and out of shape, it's, it, it's not only just intimidating, but you don't know what to do. I think there would be a huge uh, market for that. Awesome.
4: Thanks, Gary. Appreciate
2: it. Sure. Sure.
1: Thank you so much, Gary. Um, We have one more question from Jen Morris who I believe is not here yet, so I'm going to hold that. Uh, That, however, concludes our submitted questions. So I'd like to open up the floor and invite anybody who has any other questions for Gary and wants to pick his brain to raise your hands. Uh, And I see Joel immediately put his hand up. So Joel, uh, what you got for us?
5: Gary, I appreciate what you're bringing to us today. Thanks so much for coming on here. And um, I've thought about doing one of these like sidecar podcasts <clears throat> where, you know, it's evergreen content, very limited run addressing one particular area. And um, the co- people could come back to the content years from now. My question is, I'm working so hard on building my main podcast. How do I draw people over to this other thing without it becoming uh, uh, cannibalistic? or um, a distraction from what I'm trying to do here? Like I could do probably six or seven of these short run companion shows. How do, how do you manage that?
2: Well, like, like I said, the short run shows will be like a limited time thing, right? It'll be five shows, however many you do. The title of that podcast should be something that is really like, it, it's, a, it's an SEO term. And I've noticed this with history the biggest history shows are like the history of world war two, the history of world war one, because that's what people are searching for. So for a sidecar show, that's designed to help people with a specific topic, just do how to do this. And that's literally the name of the podcast. That's all it is. Make it super simple. You can have a more branding type thing for your main show. And then for, for, for this kind of sidecar podcast um it's very easy you can do um dynamic ad insertion and you can do that for your main show so you can have a dynamically inserted ad that's not an ad it's just an ad for you so your outro could be you can just update that f- frequently it's like hey if you enjoyed this show come check out my other show where i have new mm-hmm. stuff every week and my latest guest was such and such and it's something new and up to date even though you may have recorded it years ago <clears throat>
5: Cool. So make that <clears throat> like uh, Kevin's always telling us to put a call to action at the end of our. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our so that could be our call to action. Hey, yes. if you like this, you want to get more in depth, come check out this this other sidecar podcast. Yes. Yeah.
2: Cool. And, Great. <clears throat> um, oh, shit. What was I going to say? Um, oh, so I'm thinking of doing a second show at some point. I'm not going to do it yet uh I'm not going to do it till I have enough money to start hiring writers for my current show but I can tell you what the next show I'm going to do is going to be it's going to be the roman history podcast that's going to be the name of it because one I know roman history is really popular and two you like the other popular podcast ended 10 years ago and it was the history of rome so i'm just going to do the roman history podcast because i know that's what people are going to be searching for hmm. and uh um, it'll it'll just be an easy sell so cool yeah
5: cool well i might have to start a podcast on uh, the history of the early church the only problem is then my podcast will slowly infiltrate and overtake your podcast uh, <laughs> and i don't want to i don't want to do that so that's a,
2: uh there are some podcasts on early christianity uh i can't think of the name of it but i think there's a a, a big market for that yeah um there you know the 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 Christian podcasting community is quite large. They have their own conference. I know. And, um, I forget who the guy was. It was a priest. He started a, he did, he read the Bible in like one day over the course of a year. you probably know who I'm talking about. I,
5: I, I know the show. Yeah. I'm not uh, uh, Catholic, but I, it's like the top podcast. It was like one of the top top in the world. It's like through the Bible in a year or something. Yeah. Like that.
2: And that, that's yeah. all he did. He's just read the Bible over the course of one year. Mm-hmm. And, um, so there's, there's a lot of uh, things you can do. And then I know there's a lot of churches that like their sermons online in the form of podcasts yeah. and things like that. So I, again, it's just tying into that. And, you know, one of the things I haven't talked about, I've talked about podcast advertising on podcast apps, which it, it works. It, you know, I'm very pro that, but I'm also thinking of other things. Cause one of the things I didn't realize with my show, when I started it, I did my show for adults, but it turns out I get a lot of people listening with their kids. And I keep it clean. I don't, you know, as I say, it's as clean as history can be. Um, So I realized if people are listening with their kids, there's probably an opportunity here to maybe target homeschooling parents or uh, other groups where people are going to want to use it as an educational tool. So I'm thinking of buying an ad on a homeschooling uh, newsletter that goes out to 100,000 people. And if I can get a one percent conversion, no, it's actually more than hundred thousand. I think it's like three hundred thousand. But if I can get like a one um, percent conversion on that, or even less, to be honest, that would because I think it was going to cost me a thousand dollars to buy the ad. And again, going back to what is it? What's the value for me? Uh, I, I think it may turn out to be a really good deal. I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, but I'm thinking of doing it soon.
5: Well, the number of homeschooling families has doubled in the last year, year and a half. Oh, I know. Yeah, so it's a huge market.
2: It's a, you know, I've had, I've had people say, like, to their nine-year-old kid, my show is their favorite show. Wow. And like, that's a nerdy nine-year-old kid because I'm not talking about nine-year-old stuff. I'm talking about the Byzantine Empire and uh, other things like that. So, uh, yeah, there's there's some sort of I think there's something there. Thanks.
1: So that's some great advice, Gary. Um, as per usual, I know I keep saying that, but this uh, whole call has been full of some of gems for everybody.
2: I live to give.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, so our next raised hand, we got Joe Martin.
4: Thank you. Hey, Gary. Um, this is my first call, and I got to tell you, this has been worth it. Um, I just joined and just listening to you because my it goes along with my question. Um, I'm six years into my podcast called Real Man Connect. And we have over 2.2 million downloads of our podcast, and we get about 45,000 to 50,000 downloads per month. But we're growing at a snail's pace. I can imagine what you would do if you had a six year start (laughs) on your podcast. So we're doing well, but not as well as I think we should. And I would want to know your best suggestion for throwing gasoline on
2: our growth and for monetization. Well, if you're getting, you know, 40 to 50 downloads a month, what you, you, there's clearly a market for what you're doing. So I would very much look into starting to, uh, to invest in, in promotion and advertising. I think you're a, a perfect fit for it. Um, and like I said, put, you know just dip a toe in first, try overcast and podcast attic, see, it the, see what the results are. Is it a weekly show? Uh, yeah, we do two shows. We just like you suggested
4: yeah. earlier on, we do a 10-minute show where it's just me sharing um, my devotions, with God, and then we, we have an interview. With um guys and experts who come on
2: authors, pass check through. out check out the um uh the, the sites I mentioned, mm-hmm. and then also check out whatever is in your field. If there are popular newsletters, um, one of the things that I'm also thinking of doing, and I can do this really cheap, is uh, I have an educational podcast, and I'm also a member of Mensa, so Mensa has a magazine that goes out to all its members. And I'm going to be putting an ad in it, and I get a discount on the ad, of fifty percent off, because I'm a member. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there are probably uh, other associations, magazines, newsletters that already are reaching out to the people you want to reach. If it's in print, the thing I recommend doing is getting a QR code that you for your for your show. Okay, and. There are, there are different ways you can do it. One, the URL that I always send people to is podfollow.com. And what they do is if somebody comes to that URL from, on an iOS device, it will send them to Apple Podcasts. If they come from something else, you can send them to Spotify, like an Android device. You can send them to Spotify or to... Um, google podcasts and if they come on a desktop browser it will just show them the page with links to all the various different podcast apps they can subscribe on uh so it's a way of kind of routing people and if you're looking like well where do i send people I, i've been using Podfollow. chartable used to have it but they just got bought by spotify and they're not going to be offering it anymore um so yeah that's what i would recommend and uh people have become very used to using qr codes now uh, since the pandemic because you know restaurant menus have always been put in QR codes. So they've been a bit more effective. And um, one thing else I even tried is I I printed out flyers with my podcast uh, URL and a QR code on it, a really big QR code. And I went to all the cafes and everything in my area and I just tacked it up. And that's another approach you could take. If you want to go to local churches or get people to do it for you, if they have a community bulletin board Mm -hmm. and uh, to just put that up, that's a really cheap way of of doing it. And I even went and checked and at one cafe, I put it up over a year ago and it's still there. No one ever takes this stuff down. Um, But yeah, you just, it's, it's, it's kind of a cliche, but you really need to almost spend more time marketing than you do on the podcast at a certain point, uh, right. to really, to, to get it to grow. Thank so, you, yeah. Gary. I appreciate that. You know, all the things you suggest, I haven't done any of them. <laughs> so, I mean, it, I, I, th- I think you, you definitely, uh, if you're getting that many downloads, uh, you definitely have got a niche, you've got a community. And so I think you've proven the concept. So it's just a matter of then growing it. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And that's great advice. And I think, um, you know just from the girl of the show standpoint, we do so much work on marketing, and so that rings true, uh, you know, across like Gary said, all shows. Um, but next up, we have a question from Dennis.
6: Uh, hey, Gary, how are you doing? Good, all right. Um, my question is so. I started a uh, podcast called Generational Maneuvers. Initially, it was just focused on talking to entrepreneurs here in LA. Um, And then I did a um, episode with my wife, which took the podcast off to uh, the whole different type of growth. And uh, she was talking about us, uh, about me having a woman's voice on the podcast, encouraging me to look for a woman host. And I'm like, uh, I think you're the one to be that. So <laughs> uh, we started doing uh, episodes together that have been doing really well. We joined Grow the Show and just started reevaluating a few things because at first we was just kind of just freely creating. Then we started thinking about actually doing it the right way. So we kind of took a halt a bit. Um, and I just had a question about how do we uh, Strategize on reintroducing ourselves because I did have like a different type of audience when I initially started, which was a lot of creators from different industries. Uh, so I'm into sneakers and streetwear and all that good stuff. Um, so I had a lot of those people following me. And now uh, our podcast is more fo- uh, focused on married couples who are uh, wanting to build generational wealth uh, and as entrepreneurs. So uh, it's like a whole different you know, arena, uh, which we want to stick with. So just kind of had a question on how do we reintroduce ourselves? And we kind of did halt a little bit on even putting some stuff out. So we're thinking about doing like many, uh, podcast stuff that, that we want to, uh, put out and just wanted to know what your thoughts are on that and how do we move forward, um, uh, correctly and uh, most effectively.
2: That sounds like a very different show. mm mm-hmm you know, you and your wife talking about generational wealth versus sneakers. Uh, So there's two ways to do it. One, you keep the same uh, uh, RSS feed that you have and you just rip the bandaid off and you just start doing what you're going to do. And you might lose some of your original listeners, but if that's the new focus of the show, that's the new focus of the show. And you do that going forward. Other option is you just start a new show uh, on a different feed. I don't know what's going to work best for you, but Uh, It depends on the size of your audience, but if, if that this is the new plan going forward, then it probably doesn't make a difference. I would actually just keep your current RSS feed and just say that this is what you're going to do and uh, go forward from there. Is, so is the new show, is your focus going to be, have an LA focus or is it going to be broader?
6: Uh, That's going to be broader. Um, The thing too, for us that we didn't mind doing is like traveling um, and talking to different couples or just, People who have, a, you know, give great advice about building generational wealth. So um, it's going to be, you know, broad.
2: Yeah, uh, just just start doing it. You know, um, how many downloads were you getting before you made the change? <laughs> Not many. <laughs> uh, then don't worry about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's always a, uh, a and, I, and I understand because I've been in the same boat myself where it's like, well, you know, you don't want to abandon these people that initially followed you, but at sometimes you just have to make a business decision. It's like, look, if you didn't have that many, like if you had under a thousand follower or downloads per episode, don't yeah. worry about it because gotcha. where you want to go is bigger than that. So you're just going to have to, to make that decision and move on. I think having your wife part of it is is, is probably a very good idea. And uh, yeah, just go for it that way. All right. Thanks, Gary.
1: Yes, thank you so much. Our next question is from Maynard.
7: Hey Gary, how's it going? Hey everybody, I'm new here to grow the show. Me and my wife uh, have a podcast, uh, Dank Discussions, in the cannabis industry. Been doing it for a couple of years, and um, I guess you know one of the reasons why we joined here, and, and uh, this is also my first call, our first call. Right is uh, you know had a lot of the momentum, um, probably getting. You know, at least a few thousand downloads per episode, you know, somewhere around 15,000 uh, downloads a month, something like that. And then we took a few months break and then came back and it was uh, like starting over again. Right. All the numbers just in the hundreds, that kind of thing. I guess. What kind of advice do you have for that? Is that pretty normal when you just take a break or um, yeah, so something so else?
2: That happened to me. I had another podcast called This Week in Travel that I started in 2009. And when the pandemic hit, we stopped recording it. And we went from 7,000 downloads a show down to two. And we just lost a lot of that audience. And bringing it back was really hard. And we just we kind of just pulled the plug on the podcast, and I'm doing a, a different thing now. So that, and, and I think you've discovered the hard way why it's so important to be consistent. And to always be there because people, and here's the other thing. It's not just that people might forget about you, but programmatically the way the, like the Apple podcast app works is it will automatically download shows that you have listened to within like two weeks. But after that two week period, if you've not listened to that show, it will stop auto downloading it. And a lot of people might still be subscribed, but they're not going to see your new episodes. And that's why it's so important to to kind of have the consistency. And now I'm doing a daily show. And I got to admit, it is hard someday to get out a show because I have to research and write and record a show every single day. And sometimes if I'm really tired, what I'll do is I have have enough shows now where I'll just run a rerun. And I call it an encore episode. And so if for whatever reason you can't get something out, Even if you put out something that says, hey, everyone, just wanted to let you know, uh, I can't record this week because I'm going to be doing something, but something, something. And so basically, so there's something in their feed that will stop that programmatic thing from happening where people stop downloading your show. And it will also kind of just, hey, I still exist. And you're just notifying people that this is not a permanent thing and they shouldn't think that you ended the podcast. But yeah, you kind of discovered the hard way why... You know, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
7: Is it something you think is just start from scratch again, or, uh, or it's good enough to um, you know to to kind of build back up? I think there's a lot of people who haven't reached yet, right? And I think I'm not sure if. We get oh, to I'm see sure there or. is.
2: You should. Yeah. I mean, I I still am am working on the 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 belief that I'm nothing yet, right? Because there's there's people that have a hundred times more listeners than I do, so you're I'm always in that mode of there's more I got to do there's more people I can reach so you should always be doing that and yeah that that happened but clearly if you had those downloads you can get those people back or you can get other people within that niche you clearly have proven the concept that it can be done so you just need to roll up your sleeves and kind of do it again and i'm guessing it's going to be a lot easier this time cuz uh, once you once you start you know putting out regular shows again and i think that you know with your industry it's a growing industry there are unique problems that people in that industry have to face. Um, yeah. Are you from like the the business side of it?
7: Yeah, and we talk about a lot of stuff, and there's always more topics to talk about. And when someone does find us, they're like, "Wow, this is great! There's so much information here." I have yeah, I mean, I here. don't
0: I don't know a
2: lot about your business, but I know that it's tough because they have there's difficulty with banking and yeah, I mean, money and all that. Stuff. It, you
7: know, and,
2: yeah, and so. Uh, I would, I would just, you know, get at it again. And also for, for something like that, because you're targeting such a, such a specific business niche, I think there's a wealth of people you can talk to. Plus there's also, you could, you know, you could do a two show a week one where maybe it's an interview plus advice or maybe news updates. Um, You know, when I, when I did this week in travel, a big part of the show every week was just here's the latest news that, that happened this week. And I know there's uh, like, pod news, which is a podcast about podcasting news. And it's just like a four minute a day thing. Here's the headlines um, that there's ample opportunity for something like that as well. And that again, would just give, bring you top of mind to people.
7: Yeah. 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 We're planning on two, two a week. That's what we've been doing. And it's, we have plenty of people to interview. They've been interviewed, you know, so just got to uh, just build it back up and just be consistent. Like we were at the beginning, you know, just get back yeah. at it.
2: But it's I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from because I got yeah. hit by the same thing. And, uh, it taught me a really important lesson. And that's why with this current show, I'm, I'm just never going to let that happen again. Yeah. Oh, and someone says no hiatus between seasons. I'm a big believer that you should only have seasons if the seasons are actual seasons. So if you're going to talk about a different subject, so it could be like for a true crime, uh, it's like, okay, we're ending the season. We're going to talk about a new mystery in season two, or we're going to talk about a new subject. Like there's a, a, um, there's some sort of content difference between the seasons. If it's just, I'm going to not do the show for a while and come back and call that season two. Uh, I'm I'm not sure the seasons really make sense. You can take a hiatus and look, obviously people go on vacation. There are times when, when that's going to happen. I would recommend recording in advance, more shows that you can put while you're, so there is no hiatus or make sure to let people know, that you're going to be on hiatus and even while you're on hiatus record a small five minute update that you can still put out during that hiatus. Just so it's like, Hey, we're still here. Don't, don't don't subscribe. We're coming back on this date and make sure to give them a specific date that says this is when it's restarting again. Cause otherwise it just seems kind of flaky. It's like, Oh, we're not doing it now. And maybe we'll do it in the future. It has to be on September 1st. We'll be back with new episodes and to let them know.
1: That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Gary. Um, And I actually have a submitted question from somebody who's let me know that they're unable to make it today. So this is Jen Morris's question. um, And unfortunately, something came up, uh, but she'll be watching this recording later. Um, And her question for you is that she's seen you post about having some success on TikTok, and she would love to learn some more of your top tips on that.
2: Sure. Let me... uh share the screen again. As I've mentioned, I have, uh, I've had pretty good success on social media with, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, even I did not own a t- I did not have a TikTok account before I started this podcast and I knew nothing about TikTok. And I thought, oh, well, it's what the kids do. And it's just a bunch of people dancing. So I never, um, I never bothered with it. And so I started a TikTok account just for the heck of it. And what I did is the way I do my show is I have a 30 second cold open and I take that intro and I slap a Pinterest type uh, image on it and I use headliner. And every day I just put it on TikTok. So this is the. For centuries, you must have built canals to facilitate transportation. I don't know if you can hear it, but so I have now 8,300 followers and this is all I do. I never show my face um and you know this has gotten 700 views and I posted this just before we started this uh uh this session and it's it's really spikes. sometimes I'll get just a few hundred views sometimes I get thousands sometimes I get tens of thousands and the spikes in followers come um like that as well so this is what I have found uh to be very and one of the things also is that TikTok is so full of people that are trying to do comedy and they're trying to do dancing and entertainment. There's a lot of that. There is, I think, a demand for content that's not like that. That's informational and educational. And I think if you can provide some of that, you can develop an audience. And you don't need to be Charlie D'Amico and have a hundred million people follow you on TikTok. Okay, you can just have if you can get ten thousand people and those people can convert to uh, your podcast mission accomplished. And the other neat thing about TikTok, and I haven't done this yet, and I'm going to start doing it as soon as they let me, is they've expanded the length of a video to 10 minutes, which just coincidentally happens to be the length of my podcast approximately. And I can easily edit it down. I get rid of you know the outro and, and some other stuff. And so I'm going to start doing that, I think, once a week. I'm going to post an entire episode to TikTok. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's an experiment. And then I'll also put a call to action. It's like, uh, this is a complete episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. If you want to get this every day, go subscribe, click on the link in my bio, and we'll see what happens. So, but I've literally also had people on TikTok that are like, "How do I listen to this? What's a podcast?" And you just I don't know what to tell them. It's like, um, is, you know, it's an app you can put on your phone, and or they can listen to it online. But yeah, I, I'm a big believer. I will, I will say this: as someone with large followings on many platforms, I have had more, I, I've seen more success on TikTok, uh, translating to actual podcast traffic than I have on any other platform, and I'm very confident in that. And I'm very surprised because I wouldn't have believed that when I first started but that's true. And that's why I'm putting all my effort as far as podcast promotion on social media on TikTok right now.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I know we recently did an episode uh, on TikTok with Kara Newhart, who has a large following there. And she said the exact same thing. She doesn't even mention her podcast half the time and people are are flocking to it from the app. So that definitely checks out. Uh, and I'm seeing we have another question from David Armstrong.
8: Hi there! Thanks for being with us today. I think I'm the only history podcast in the group, uh, and I do my my show is called Broadway Nation. It's about the history of the Broadway musical. So it's a niche. It's a small niche. Uh, I've been thinking about doing what you just suggested, which is adding a second. Uh, second episode during the week. Mine, I do half hour to 45 minute episodes uh, with mine, which is about, and usually I taking half the subject and cutting it in half and doing a part two on each one so that I get sort of with the theory you were talking about before, but only once a week at the moment. So my thought is to do a this week in Broadway history, 10 minute kind of thing. Have you done that kind of This week in history, this today in history kind of uh content before as a as an
2: extra. That that is kind of my whole show, except that I'm just not (laughs) focusing on that day. Um, but I know there are podcasts that do it. But I, I think that's a a good idea, especially if it's something short and digestible. Yeah. I will say this, and I didn't realize this when I started my show. Shorter shows are listened to first. So if I have a, a bunch of shows that are in my podcast queue and I find myself doing this and I've seen this in my numbers, people will listen to the shorter show first because they can get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to the five-minute, 10-minute show, get it done, and then the hour-and-a-half interview, whatever, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to complete that anyhow, so I'll wait to do that. So there's a definite advantage to doing a shorter show like that. And do you think there's any
8: rhyme or reason to, I release my show on Thursdays. Should the short one be on
2: Monday, Tuesday? You know, does it, you eh, it just spread days? it out? Monday or just Tuesday is out. probably yeah. fine. Yeah. I, I don't, here's the other thing I found having a daily show. It doesn't matter.
8: <laughs> the <laughs> biggest days for
2: downloads are Mondays, but that doesn't mean that Monday shows get more downloads. It just means that people weren't listening on the weekends and they just downloaded on Monday, but the number of listens is still the same. Right. So it 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 really doesn't matter. But just yeah, spread it out. And it, so is yours a monologue show or an interview show?
8: It's the first season where the first 50 episodes were were monologue show because I basically told the hi- entire history of the Broadway musical in that in that season. Then this season 2, which is now I'm I'm 60 something in, in, how many episodes I mean, uh 60 something episodes is I've done a lot more interviews with authors because there's been a whole bunch of books have come out this past year. So it's mostly been interviewing authors of books about Broadway history. And now I'm going to go back. I have a new subject I'm going to do that I didn't do the first season. It's going to be sort of a mini series. It's probably going to be like 12 episodes of a very specific aspect of the history of Broadway. So it's uh, to answer your question, it bounces around a little bit.
2: I would also look to get like uh, one of the. Are you familiar with the Bowery Boys podcast? Yeah, I love the Bowery Boys. Yeah, I would get one of them on your show and yeah, talk been, about, it's... you know, because they have a big podcast and to talk to them about how, you know, how did Broadway influence the city? How did the city influence Broadway? And they have a couple other... of
8: very good Broadway episodes as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that that's that's on my list to do. That's great. Thanks. Good to be reinforced yeah. on that. Uh, my there aren't very many other Broadway history podcast out there. And most of them are not very serious. So I'm sort of in a niche by myself with taking a more, it's my show still fun, but it's not a let's get drunk and talk about Broadway uh, kind of podcast. So I'm trying to find, it's hard to find other, the Bowery Boys are great because they're sort of in a similar style to my, to my podcast. It's just been a little bit of a struggle to find other people to collaborate with.
2: Yeah. I think there's a huge, you know, potential for, you know, interviews that you could do, uh, historically people who have been involved with, uh, you know, shows, promotion producers
8: that you know, I'm all over. I'm, I'm very well connected. So I've got uh, top, top people on my show in that regard. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much. Can't wait. To, I I'm surprised I have not listened to your podcast,
2: but I will now. Are you, do you live in New York? I don't anymore. I did for 25 years. Live in Seattle now. Have you ever? Here's something to think about, and I don't know how well it would work. Um, to put in a small ad with a QR code in in like the playbill, in the playbill for a show. That's interesting. And see what happens. And if that works, I mean, to you could put that in like yeah, a yeah. bunch. You know.
8: Yeah, that's a really cool. I'll check into that. I have no idea what the pricing is for that, but I'll look into that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, don't, don't dump your retirement fund in it, but you know, if you could do a small one, that'd be interesting. That's a really good idea. Cool. Well, thank you. Sure.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, and David's podcast, uh, because somebody is asking is Broadway nation, correct, David? That's correct. Fantastic. Um, our next question is from Jennifer Wallace.
3: Hi Gary, thank you so much for all of this greatness today. Um, I'm curious with your recording and production and editing, like what does that look like? How are you recording far in advance, or you jump on there every day and go live, or how does that kind of work as your production line and schedule and release stuff?
2: Not only have I not recorded tomorrow's show, I don't even know what it's going to be about. Mm, okay, so I am literally. Mm-hmm. My sleep schedule is incredibly screwed up. I woke up an hour before we began recording this today. Uh, I I will write until I usually end up recording at like four in the morning. And then as soon as it's done, uh, it gets uploaded. Uh, So I do not recommend what I'm doing to anyone. Uh, I don't think it's great, but that's, I just stay up until it's done. And sometimes it's easy to get a show at the door. And sometimes uh, based on the topic, it's hard and my so my pl- i don't want to keep doing this forever but my so my plan at some point is i want to hire writers so then i can start getting ahead of things and the recording of my show is super easy because it's just me there's no guest um it's short i simply am reading a script and that's that's no problem the re- the recording's easy for me it's the writing and the research that takes all the time and that's uh, where that'll take me hours. And then the recording maybe takes 20 minutes.
3: And you do all of your editing and everything you're doing. This is a one man. Are you like a one man band? Okay.
2: But I, I will also say the, the production and editing part of it is super easy when it's just yourself. Right. I literally just use garage I'm using this microphone and, um, I, I read the script and I talk until I screw up or I want to say something differently and put a different emphasis on it. I just take the waveform and I go back to a paragraph break and I start again. And then by the time I'm done, it's a fully edited show. So it's not like I'm, I'm just recording the whole thing and I'm recording all the screw ups and on the bloopers. Um, I don't do that. So it's, it's a pretty simple process.
3: Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Sure. Fantastic.
1: And our next question is from Joel.
5: Gary, forgive me if you've addressed this. I didn't hear it. Is there a good time of day to release your new episodes so that you pop up first in somebody's feed? Is that important?
2: The only advice I would give is you're probably going to want to target it such that it is in people's feed when they go to work in the morning. So, and you're going to probably, because the East coast, you know, they're to the East. Uh, so if people leave for work at say 6. AM, you probably want it to be in their feed around there. So normally, and and I I don't usually do this because it's taking me longer and longer to get the show out. I was shooting for 4. AM, um, central time, 6. AM or five, 5. AM Eastern time. But I don't think there's, I don't think it's, it's, it's that big of a deal because if they don't download it, they'll just get it the next time. And I think that's one of the things people don't realize with podcasts is it'll just be there whenever they check. Um, But if, if you want to, if you want to hit that commute, which is when a lot of podcasts are listened to, then um, yeah, that's what I would shoot for. Okay, cool.
1: Thank you so much, Gary. And our next question is from David.
9: Hey, how's it going, Gary? Uh, really good information. Um, my question is, do you see any trends in podcasting um, that you would suggest people get in front of? Like, is there anything that you're seeing um, in terms of trends? My my other question, hopefully, is, which is like super unrelated, but um, in terms of like these deals that podcasters are getting, do you have any insight on what their downloads are monthly, you know, that is super attractive for these multi-million dollar deals?
2: Are you talking like the Joe Rogan, call her daddy, these million dollar Spotify things?
9: Yeah, but there's other like smaller million dollar deals going around too. You know what I mean?
2: They're going to have audiences like in the millions to multiple hundreds of thousands per episode. So the numbers I've heard thrown around for Joe Rogan show is that he gets 11 million people listening each episode, uh, Adam Curry, who I know he does no agenda. They've been doing that for over 10 years and they get, he said they get about a million downloads per episode. Um, other good sized podcasts that I know of that are independent Uh, Who've done a lot of you know marketing and advertising? They're getting you know over a hundred thousand per episode. Some of the history podcasts I know that are pretty successful are getting like you know twenty to fifty thousand per episode. I think Revolutions, uh, which is ending soon, is going to get gets about two hundred thousand per episode. So it's kind of to, to to get to that range. There is such a wide wide range, uh, within podcasting. And it, one of the things that's so screwed up about this business is that almost all the money goes to like the top 1% of the shows. It's not even an 80, 20 rule. It's a 99 one rule. And they, it's really just a, a function of scale that unless you have a huge audience, it's really just not effective for a lot of these advertisers to be reaching out. And to get that size audience, uh, you either need to be lucky, you need to have been doing it for ten years, or you need to spend money to, on promotion. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now. And from uh, the the discussions I've had with people at major uh, audio companies, you know, it's it's even hard for them, and they have to have a a pretty big marketing budget when they launch a new show. Now, the difference is. They don't tend to promote their shows once it's launched. They just sort of do it and forget it. And I think that that, that can be a differentiator for uh, the indie podcaster. But as far as like what those shows are getting, yeah, it's it's a very big audience. They're buying ears. Fundamentally, that's what it's all about.
9: Yeah, I'm I'm looking for. Uh, I think I'm looking into like the network model. Um, I have a you know a, a pretty nice sized show. But like it's, I I want to get to like that that next level. So, um, so was very helpful. I was thinking of the numbers. I didn't know what to expect.
2: Like to, if you want to get in a network, you're looking at ten thousand downloads per episode. That's the number that pretty much everyone is looking at. Uh, you can do stuff with Advertise Cast, which is kind of automated. They will let you in at about five thousand downloads per episode, but that's the threshold, and everyone is trying to compete to get that. 10,000 download per episode podcast and that's kind of the holy grail as far as trying to get into a network where they will do advertising sales for you um god do
9: you do you suggest any because I'm, I'm I'm well over like those numbers it's like our average well our average episode is like um like sixteen thousand so I, I but I, I want to you know try to get behind a network that can you know essentially push the show p- past where I'm pushing it
2: Uh, then I think you're in a really good position. Uh, I would start researching the various networks that are out there. Some of them have particular niches. So there are like religious networks and sports networks and things like that. Uh, Find out who they are and apply. And I think that if you have the numbers, then they will probably be more than happy to have you. Because one of the problems right now, to be completely honest, is that there is not enough inventory to sell a lot of ads because people are so are focused on this on the top one or two percent that uh, there's just not enough of those podcasts to go around. So I think you'll find a lot of luck if you if you reach out to some of these groups. Um, and then as far as promotion, that's just something you need to negotiate with them. So I got in a network in January, and they contacted me. And I'm able to run trailers for my show on other shows in the network. There's a fair number of history and educational shows in my network. uh, So it's a pretty good fit. Plus, I'm reaching out to individual shows in my network to do feed drops. And I've had pretty good luck because they're kind of like in the same family. And uh, they've been happy to do it or happy to sell me uh, space for a feed drop as well. So they may not necessarily do it for you. But they may open up doors for you to to get that done, if that makes sense. That they'll make introductions for you to other shows where you could be a guest, or you could, uh, like I said, do a feed drop or run an ad with them.
9: Got it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank. You. Oh, my my next question is: Did you see? Do you see any trends coming that you just kind of see, just being in the space that you know we may need to get in front of?
2: The biggest trend is that there's a lot of consolidation going on in this industry right now. And sadly, it's becoming harder for independent podcasters. That this idea that you can just, you know, grab a microphone with some friends and start a podcast and be successful, I think is is kind of going away. That it's becoming more, you know, and this happens to every market. It's becoming more corporate. The Spotify's and the Amazon's and everyone else are kind of taking control of things. Uh, there was a stat that just came out this last week that a few years ago, if you wanted to reach half of all podcast listeners, it, it would require buying out all the all the ads on all the podcasts of seven different networks. And today that number's down to four. So there's uh, a lot more consolidation happening. And most people, when they listen to podcasts, they don't even know about a lot of independent podcasts, right? It's New York Times and Serial and these Wondery podcasts and iHeartMedia because that's all they see. Because those are the ones that are being promoted to them. And even on, you know, when I went through a lot of the different podcast apps and I was showing, oh, here's me next to the New York Times and everything. Well, I'm the anomaly and I'm not going to be there forever, right? I got a couple week run in that spot. And, but these apps, they promote the big players. And so it's becoming harder for us to, to find a niche in that ecosystem. So that's, that's the trend. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a good one, but uh, yeah, you gotta. If if, if you really want to grow an audience and get into that, that ten thousand is the number that you need to be shooting for. All uh, right. Okay. Thank you. Sure.
1: Thank you so much, Gary. And I don't think we have any raised hands at the moment. But a question I had for you is because I think uh, everybody here is at different stages of their their podcasting career. What's like the one thing that you didn't do when you started podcasting that you wish you had?
2: I wish I had started uh promotion and advertising sooner. Mm. I waited before I did that, and then as soon as I started doing it, I was like, this works <laughs> um, and I wish I had factored in the cost of doing that sooner mm-hmm. because it 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 does like once you like i said once you figure out the value of a listener of a subscriber, um, then you can start doing calculations for what you can spend to acquire a subscriber. And that's really, really important. And like I said, what goes into it is not only the, uh, just looking at ads, uh, is the number of ads per episode and the number of episodes you create. So if you do more episodes, more revenue opportunity. Um, but once you figure that out, then you can then say, okay. And the, the other thing is you're going to have to spend money before you maybe see a return on the investment. And that may take a year or a year and a half uh, before that happens. And this is no different than what Amazon did. They they didn't make any money for like 10 years. They lost money, lost money, lost money. And then they said, okay, now we're going to be profitable. And then they just stopped losing money and, and became super profitable because they just stopped that investing. And uh, the same, I think it can be true of the podcast. If you, if your goal is to get 10,000 subscribers so you can get into a, a, a podcast network and start selling ads, you're going to have to get to that 10,000 point. And that you're probably going to have to promote yourself and you're going to have to spend money doing it. And you're going to have to spend that money. Then you hit 10,000. Then the ad spigot can get turned on and you can start bringing in the revenue. Uh, but you're going to need to have the funds to to be able to do that,
1: so. yeah, absolutely. And I think you kind of covered this uh, in the episode that you did with us. But the whole concept is, you know, in bit podcasting, like business, you have to spend money to make money
2: to a certain degree. Whether yeah, that's I mean, if you're doing a network television show, you're right, it's a business. We're going to have a production value of this. We're going to you know bring in money this way. Movies, albums, same way. Podcasting is media. Same thing. Yes, the barrier to entry is less, and it's easier to to start a podcast. But at the end of the day, it's kind of the same thing. It's a business. And treat it as such. This is my production cost. This is what's going to go into it. This is what the marketing is going to be. And this is what I want the end return to be. And so whatever it is, marketing is a part of it. And like I said, it's a huge part of the budget for launching an album, launching a movie, launching a TV show. And so I don't know why podcasts are exempt from that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um- And I'll just remind everybody, we have Gary until six. So please feel free to ask your questions. I know I was limiting everybody at the beginning. Um, There are no limits now. Yeah, go
2: nuts. Uh, Otherwise,
1: yeah, I'm I'm happy to keep asking my own questions. Um, And it might be worth going into, because I know some of the folks here are a little bit newer to the Grow the Show community. Um, It might be worth going into a little bit of what we covered on the episode as far as how you go about tracking your numbers and calculating what you can spend... Her listener actually looks like we have a hand up. So before we get into that, uh, Joel, what you got for us?
5: All right. So Gary, I don't know if you'll be able to speak to this or not, but um, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to uh, to hear your thoughts on my situation. So uh, my wife and I are missionaries with a nonprofit organization. The podcast is is part of our ministry, which we run under the umbrella of this. Organization, so up until up until now, all of our funding has come, as is typical for missionaries, through back end funding. Uh, we'll 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 meet ministry partners. We'll meet with people, and we'll say, "This is our ministry. Um, we're supported by like-minded individuals, families, churches. Would you like to support us?" And then they send us, and we go do our work. What I've been working on is trying to trying to uh, transition get us to the point where a portion of our funding is coming from the front end, meaning people who are directly benefiting from the work that we're doing, like primarily the podcast right now. And so we've taken some steps in that direction, but, um, I'm, there's all kinds of implications because we're a nonprofit. So I'm, I'm working with our organization on how to make sure that we're compliant. But in the meantime, the way that we're set up is our funding comes in the back door from people who, you know, like, they go to our, our giving site and they say we'll sign up for however much a month. Do you have any thoughts on how to monetize the podcast with that model? Like sending people, do we send people to our giving site? I mean, I'm 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 sort of starting this podcast subscription plan, but I'm running into all kinds of snags because it's there's compliance issues. So, like any thoughts on? How to make a strong call to action and make it easy for someone who enjoys the work that we're doing, who believes in it, to go to our giving site and sign up as a ministry partner.
2: I don't know if this is applicable, but this is the first thing that I think of is that there is a very long history of like televangelists who are able to make fantastic sums of money off of television <laughs> and getting people don't compare to send me to money. those guys. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying, though, right? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Now, it's obviously not the same thing, right? But it's a similar thing in terms of if you're if you're looking to get people to money to donate,
0: hmm.
2: and maybe you're using Patreon or, or something else. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's kind of a common thing in in the world of religious media uh, okay. to just ask people to to send you money. As far as the, the the taxes and everything, I don't know anything about that. You'd know that sure. better than me. But um, yeah. okay,
5: so so um, start, yeah. So just you know that could be a call to action, I suppose, at the end of a an episode as well. Just hey, you know, if you're um, you know, you believe in this ministry? You want to learn about more?
2: Are um, you like a five hundred one c three about- or yes? It's a five hundred one yeah. c three. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah, I just but- think I
5: I can't be the only nonprofit podcaster that's out there I'm sure there are there are others and they use it for their support raising so
2: okay I'm, I'm guessing right. there are there have got to be Facebook groups out there for religious podcasters as well that probably people have, have have dealt with this um but yeah i I would I guess that's what you know you would just do
5: okay cool
2: thanks
1: absolutely thank you a question that I had is you know you talked a little bit at the beginning of this Gary, about, Uh, how you are bringing a group of your followers to Rome, right? Yeah. Now, in order to go to Rome with somebody I've never met, I must be a big fan. I must really trust them. Um, So what that shows me, Gary, is that you've built a really, really strong community around your podcast. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to community building, um, you know, and that eventually leads to monetization. People want
2: to buy your products and all that. So my thoughts on this are a little bit different. I I think it depends on the show. I don't think my show is really a community show. It's an educational show. You listen a few minutes a day, you learn something interesting, but it's not like it's a, um, you know, you know, I gave like CrossFit as an example. That's a community of people. We're all doing the same thing. It could be a church. We're all doing the same thing, or it's something we all have in common my show really isn't kind of like that. So I don't, I don't really have a community. There's no Facebook group. And I don't know what they would talk about because my show literally is about everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a, and I do have a discord channel and I'll talk. There are some people that ask me questions about stuff. It's like, Oh, you know, about this episode, but it's not, it's, it's more that I've earned their trust or I have a following than it's a community If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that, So, there are some shows that I do think a community makes a lot of sense. This show that Kevin does, it's a community. We're all podcasters. We all have similar problems. We all are facing similar things, and that makes for a community. But my show really isn't a community type show, uh, to be honest. And I think a lot of the larger successful shows out there are not necessarily community type shows. They're just entertainment or whatever. It's something that you listen to, but it's not necessarily something you want to talk to other people about maybe one will develop I've, I've but I haven't put a lot of effort into it to be honest but I think that if you have a smaller show maybe that your if your business model is selling a product or a service a community is probably going to make more sense around something like that than it is for a show like mine
1: yeah absolutely and do you think then though because you said you yourself you're you're Listeners still have to trust you in order to want to kind of oh, buy sure. what you're telling them. So does that trust come simply from publishing when you say you're going to publish, being consistent with the quality of your shows, that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, and, and, they, and they know me. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing. Um, you know, they, When they hear your voice, there is a, um, you know, they, they just know who you are. There's a familiarity involved with it that doesn't exist in, in other forms of media that uh, I can say something sarcastic and they know it's sarcastic because of the tone of my voice. Whereas if you write it or something, you know, there can be a lot of confusion. Are you being sarcastic? Or did you really mean that? Um, and that's that, that's just inherent in podcasting, I think. And, you know, maybe that also exists in video as well with, with people with YouTube, where there's this familiarity that exists. And, uh, but yeah, so with, with with being able to sell the tours, it's worked really well. And I think, not just a tour but having an event it could it doesn't have to be like a tour to rome like i'm doing it could be uh, we're going to do a a meetup, or we're going to do a mastermind session, or we're going to do, uh, you know, we're going to go get a big house at a beach on a Airbnb. And uh, for a weekend, I'm going to be able to, you know, uh, help listeners to the show. We're going to do some, something like that. I think those event type things are things that podcasters often overlook, and they can be very, very profitable. And you can make, you know, many thousands of dollars in a very short period of time doing events like that.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's still here, but Barton, our uh, fitness podcaster, he could do a meetup rate as a personal training session for 10
2: of his listeners or whoever. Yeah. And I've, like I said, I've seen people that have have done full blown, you know, Woodstock type conferences that have gotten extremely successful. I have a friend who's a web cartoonist. I've known him for 20 years. And uh, if anyone here knows video games, uh, there's like PAX East, PAX West. And these get like tens of thousands of people attending. These are like the huge video game conferences. And that all started from Penny Arcade webcomic. No way. Yeah. That's where PAX comes from. And they started this as an event and eventually sold it because it was getting so big that they couldn't manage it anymore. And they just made a killing off of it. Um, So if you can tap into You know, I think people, if you do have a community, a real community, then it's a just one more step to actually do a physical in-person event that you can really actually monetize. And depending on how big that gets, maybe that becomes your business. And the podcast is simply a way to, you know, promote your annual event that comes up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. And I don't think we've talked too much about meetups or live shows just yet, um, at least on the Grow the Show podcast, although I know Kevin has done them before for his uh, old show, Philly Who. And I know that. uh, Well,
2: you know, for a a show that is around a certain geographical community, like a city, it's a lot easier to do Mm -hmm. meetups. It's a lot harder to do when you have a global audience or a national audience. And if the show gets big enough, then maybe you might be able to do, you could go on a tour. Hey, I'm going to be appearing, you know, I'm going to show up at this place, this place, this place, and just have people meet you. You meet at a restaurant, if depending on how many people are there, or you could have people who are fans of the show run those events for you that you could have other people uh, run it. And I've seen people do that as well uh, with varying degrees of success.
1: Oh yeah. There's one, there's one called, and I cannot think of the name of it, but it's like to like a podcast book club where there are a bunch of factions all around, the country. Um, and they all listen to a podcast and all these discussions. I've,
2: I've thought of doing that with my show of mm. doing a nonfiction uh, book club. I'm just not sure how to do it, <laughs> um, but there's a lot of great nonfiction books that fit into, to what I'm doing that I think would work really well. Um, like, you know, Mark Kurlansky's book on salt. It's just Mm. the history of salt and looking at the world's history through salt. And that sounds boring as hell, but it's actually really fascinating that there are these objects and different things that we can look, uh, you know, through history, through the lens of this thing. uh, And there's different ways to do it. I think that would fit with my show. I just don't know anything about running a book club. (laughs) So I I don't want to do it and screw it up. So I just haven't pulled the trigger on it.
1: Yeah, it's a really cool idea. Hopefully, you'll be able to figure that out, because that sounds like something I'd be into. Uh, But it looks like we do have a hand up, and that is
10: Larry's hand. Hello, Gary. Uh, Hello, Katie, as well. It's good to see you guys. Thanks, Gary, for being here. Um, You talked a lot about the advertising, which is something I've looked into before. So just to give some background on my situation, and I'll ask my question at the end, I... Uh, did my first season of my podcast, which frankly, I'm not really going to be branding it as a season anymore, because I've always gotten so much advice about how, you know, the the season framing device is not really necessary for a show like mine, which is mostly a discussion interview podcast. Um, but... Uh, once I joined Grow the Show, I put my podcast on hiatus so I could rebuild it and rebrand it. But I do have 10 episodes of the podcast that I already produced that are just on the feed right now that have been occasionally getting getting downloads during this hiatus period. Um, and I've been working on my podcast right now. And I have a plan right now to release the... To officially start the schedule going next month. Um, now, would you recommend that I just start investing in the advertising now and let that advertising drive to the 10 episodes that are already there or do you think i should wait until i relaunch the show get a few new episodes going on the feed which before it was a bi-weekly show now it's going to be a weekly show should i get a couple of weeks in on the new branding and then start advertising or do you think i should just start advertising now if if i am a listener
2: and i click on an ad and I go to your page and I see that there hasn't been a new podcast updated in weeks or months, that's going to make me suspicious. So I would wait until there's a, something brand new, so I can see this is a currently updated show that that uh, that if I'm going to make a commitment as a listener, I want to see that there's something there.
10: Mm, so I would, I would hold point. off. Okay, do you have a how long do you think I should? Be holding off until just whenever you start doing it again,
2: just so long as I can see that the the most recent show has been within the last week is fine. I don't cool. think you need to, you know, have X number of shows or anything. I just need as like I said, as a listener, I want to know that this is not a dead show. Yeah. And once definitely. you see this gap, I don't know if that if that's the only information I have. I don't know if you're coming back or not.
10: Mm-hmm that that's actually a great thing that I did not consider. I'm always, I, which is something that I always look at when I'm looking at podcasts, exactly. I to do guest swaps with and stuff. You know, if the show is alive then I'm, I'm going to go for it as opposed to obviously if there hasn't been an episode in like a year, you know, it's likely a dead show. You know, and, and, and put your, you know, when you look for a podcast, put
2: yourself in that, in, in, in the mind of, of listener, when you're looking at a show, like when I look at a new show, I'll often look at it in the Apple podcasts. And I'll always look at like, You know, I do look at like what their rating is. If it's anything less than like a 4.8 or nine, then I'll look down to see what the negative reviews are and negative reviews, like one-star reviews. They're always about two things, someone inserting politics unnecessarily or too many ads. And You know, sometimes it's, it's about some other weird quirk or they'll complain about the person's voice or, you know, someone, but you can at least get an an idea quickly as to what that is. And so use those same things that you look for on your show, make sure that you have good reviews. Uh, One of the things I do at the end of every show is I read uh, a -hmm. five-star review. So guess what happens? people leave five-star reviews because they want to hear it right on the show. And I've even, like the last one I read, uh, some dude did it in Italian, even though it was on the American site. And they're always trying to screw me up by mentioning things. Like uh, one person, they would put in a reference to the Canadian motto of c to c and how it should really, and I I knew it. They're always trying to to trick me, and I always got it, and I'll say something funny or sarcastic about it. And so that is kind of a feedback mechanism. Uh, But basically, it encourages those sort of reviews Uh, and I even have a review hall of fame for people that leave abnormally long or glowing reviews Uh, and I'll, I I always just put them in the hall of fame if I really like it. Uh, It's an informal (laughs) thing. I don't actually keep a list, but, um, but basically, I want to encourage people to leave those sort of reviews. And so I do everything in my power to make sure that that happens.
10: That's actually, that actually brings up a question that i that what you just said made me think of in terms of ad insertion, like where, where would you say is the, is the best place to put uh, your ads in your show? Uh, well, if you talk to an advertiser, they're going to
2: want you to put it right in the middle. Those are the ones that are the, the, that pay the most in my show, because it's only 10 minutes long and it's so short. I put it, I have a 30 second cold open my intro music. Then I put the ad then I have the, uh, the body of what I'm doing. And I call that a, a mid-roll ad, even though it's not technically in the middle, middle of the podcast. And I had an advertiser that came back that was questioning it. And I was like, well, for starters, it's not a pre-roll because it it's not the first thing you hear. Right. Uh, but second, I only do one ad a show. So if you're complaining that it's not in the middle of the middle, my response is, well, you have exclusivity and I could put it in the middle. And if I run two ads and I'm just diluting it with something else and they never came back and I don't think they have a problem with it. So I think it's something you just need to figure out. One thing I would recommend is wherever you put your ad and mid-roll ads are obviously going to be the, the, the pre the, you know, the, the most expensive ones, make sure you plan for it as you're recording. Because a lot of people, they do an interview and you just talk through. And then later you, you stick the ad in somewhere. So at least when you're doing the interview, have a point where you sort of stop for a little bit and, and know, okay, this is where I will put the ad and then start with another question or something after that. So just so you know, kind of, and you have a little clock going, all right, 30 minute mark, we're going to put an ad in here. Uh, So on the back end, then, you know, at least where to put it. So it just doesn't sound awkward. Definitely. And uh, how long are the ads that you normally are doing? Your normal ads are going to be 60 seconds long. Um, there, are, there are some advertisers. I, I think there, there used to be this thing that if the longer the ad, the better. I don't think that's true anymore. You can ramble about something for three minutes. I don't think that makes it a better ad. Uh, 60 seconds is kind of the, the spot where most people are buying, but you, you know, depends on what your advertisers want. And with, with my show uniquely, what I've done is I've sold entire episodes. So I did a series with the tourist office of Spain and I would do, you know, your 60 second ad, but then the whole show would be something about Spain. And they didn't even really care, so I did one you know I've done them on the history of the Canary Islands, I've done them on a biography of Picasso or Salvador Dali or Queen Isabella, and as so long as it was something Spain related, just to keep it a top of mind, and there was you know there's always be some sort of geographical reference, so there's a thing that you could visit if you're interested in this topic, and they were quite happy with it, um, but th- that's not something a lot of shows can do, especially if it's an interview
10: show. Right, definitely. Cool. And Gary, thank you so much for for that advice. I appreciate it.
1: Yes. Thank you so much uh, for all of your advice. Uh, and we are starting to approach six o'clock. Uh, so I just kind of want to make one last call. Raise your hand now. Ask me. You got your questions? Do it now. Or forever hold your peace. Yeah. Uh, I'm
2: never going to answer a question again after this. I.
1: No, especially not if they tag you in the Grow the Show Facebook group, uh, the main one, not the inner circle, because I know you're you're hanging out there.
2: Oh, um, I just posted something to the chat. Uh, this is the equation for, it's a lot easier to do on this than it was a podcast.
1: You did such this a great is job. On how you podcast. can
2: figure out the annual value of a subscriber. And it's, it's a pretty simple equation, but it's basically your CPM times the number of ads per show uh times the number of shows per year but divided by a thousand. And the divided by a thousand part simply is the uh, compensating for the fact that CPM is the per thousand. So
1: yes, and that is uh really and we Gary talked about this earlier, but really valuable to know as you're looking at what you might want to spend uh on advertising. And that'll help yeah,
2: you I, formed risk with your money. You d- you don't want I don't want people to spend money to just throw it at, to grow a show when you're not going to see a return on your investment. And if you can figure out this equation and figure out the value of your subscribers, you can then tweak the, the variables on your end, right? Either putting in more ads per show or running more shows to increase that value, to increase the value of a subscriber. So you have some room to play with. So it isn't like, well, I have my show and this is what it is. No, you can do a second show a week or you can put in a second ad or whatever it is to increase that number.
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Sorry, I have a desk that you push a button, it goes up and down. I accidentally hit the button here. Um, I guess to wrap things up, is there anything that uh, somebody didn't ask you that I didn't ask that we didn't talk about that you think is really important to touch on really quickly?
2: I think that you have to understand that as you grow a show, there's different phases you're going to go through. So like uh, targeted daily engagement is great for when you're, when you first launch your show, right? For what you, so your first 10 subscribers, that's your friends and family. That's your mom and dad, your close friends. That's you 10 to hundred. Okay. You're going to have to branch out a little bit, a hundred to a thousand that you're really looking at your social media, your targeted daily engagement that can get you to that point, a thousand to 10,000. Now you're talking about a different problem. I'm at the point now where I'm looking at the 10,000 to 100,000. And at each step along the way, you're going to encounter this thing of like, well, well how do I go f- beyond here? And this is something I, I'm dealing with all the time. Like I've had this recent big, huge increase in growth. And now I'm like, well, now what the hell do I do? And so you're always going to encounter this thing where it's like, you've grown it. Now what? And what you did to get to that point may not scale to take you to that next level. So you're going to have to change your strategy a lot. And like I'm working on getting, I want to get 100,000 people per episode within the next three years. How do I do that? I don't know. Hmm. But I know to get 100,000, I first have to get 20,000. Once I get to 20,000, then maybe I'll work on incremental things along the way. So I don't know that number, but I know I'll figure it out. And I know that other people have done it, so it's doable. And I know that shows like mine have done it, so it's very doable. But but yeah, so you you kind of always have to be putting yourself in a position where you don't know what you're going to do and you have a new problem to solve. And it's going to change through your journey as you're growing your show. So it's not like you just do one thing now and you do that forever. It's going to have to change.
1: That's fantastic advice. And it's funny because it actually ties into, uh, tomorrow's girl, the show episode, which has to do a lot with burnout and how setting those incremental goals and, and, you know, not just kind of, uh, flailing and, and not having any direction where you're going, how that can really help prevent burnout. That's,
2: you know, personally, that's what I do. You can drive yourself mad. If you look at some other podcaster that has a big show and you'll say, oh, I can never do that. What I do, it's like. I remember when I first started, first month, it's like, okay, I want to get five thousand downloads this month. I have a daily show, right? So it's not weekly. So divide whatever your number by seven, Um, and it's like, okay, well, I I achieve this threshold. Can I get ten thousand downloads? All right, then I did that. All right, so I want to keep doubling it, and so I always have these like incremental goals that I'm trying to achieve, and then you get it. It's like, okay, what's the next goal? And to try to just keep doing that, and that's a way that you can keep motivated. But if you get You know, I know in the back of my mind, I want to have this goal of 100,000 downloads an episode, but I don't focus on that every day. I'm worried about just hitting the next milestone because if I can't do that, then that goal is going to be impossible. And I think that's what everyone should focus on is these incremental steps because that'll keep you going and don't worry about what other people are doing because that will drive you insane.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that is a great place to wrap it up because we are just about at six o'clock. Uh Eastern time. So I want to thank you so much, Gary, for coming on. I know everybody in the chat is saying this has been so helpful, so insightful. Uh, I've had people asking me, you know, make sure you upload this recording to our, our course website so that I can go back and take notes and, and listen to what Gary had to say. Um, I'm gonna give one more chance. I feel like we kind of everybody asked what they had to ask, but we have like three more minutes. So if anybody has any quick questions, just hop on and ask them. Um, and if not. Uh, we will see you all on Thursday. Kevin will be back on Thursday and running coaching as usual. And Gary, uh, where can they find you on social media if they want to connect?
2: Uh, you all can find me from the Facebook group and you can see me on Facebook. You can send me a uh, a direct message if you want. Uh, other than that, I, I don't want you to contact me on social media. Just listen to my podcast.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so make sure everybody respects that. Uh, thank you so much.
2: I, I don't care if you contact me on social media. I'm just kidding. I'm just promoting. <laughs> right, hey, gotta
1: make sure, gotta set those boundaries, no. especially on social. I know uh, it can be annoying to get a ton of DMs, but uh, Gary's in. Uh, just to make the differentiation for everybody, he's in the free Facebook group because as much as we love Gary, he's not a student. Um, so if you're looking for him, just make sure you're in the free Facebook group and not the inner circle group. Uh, Other than that, thank you so, so much, Gary. I really appreciate it. Kevin really appreciates it. Everybody that showed up today really appreciates it. And we'll see you around the internet.